Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Line Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Coach Kevin again. I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits. I am so excited about our guests, uh, and I'd like to welcome L.A. Dunn, L.A. Dunn, to the show this evening. Well, thank you for having me. We're so, uh, again, we're so excited. I can't wait for, for you to dig in and, and just uh, tell us about um, L.A. Dunn and Black Girls Eat. But, you know, here on uh, Safe Conversation with Kevin Waits, we unpack our bags, right? We sit around the campfire and we just talk. We talk about stuff. Uh, race, culture, inclusion, everything uh, that impacts us all with hopes that in some way we can find a way to move forward together. That makes sense to you? That makes a lot of sense to me. And particularly in the world of Black Girls Eat, it's about food, which is ultimately about culture, which is ultimately about all of us. So for sure, I'm happy to have that conversation. Good. So L.A., Please, if you don't mind, tell us about yourself, your family, your career, your education, and Black Girls Eat. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as you said, I'm L.A. Dunn. I am a Bronx girl through and through, uh, born and raised in this town. And uh, my family's from the South. And my husband's family is from the Caribbean. And when I started learning about plant-based nutrition, it wasn't that we didn't know about plants. I mean, we had plants on our plate, but it certainly wasn't a plant-centered lifestyle. And I jumped down the rabbit hole around plant-based nutrition based on my own health scare. I just wasn't feeling well. Um, And I started investigating what that was about, understanding that I was getting older, but I'm not old. And (laughs) at one point I was you know, uh, taking Tylenols and, you know, over-the-counter medicine. And I realized this can't be a way of life. Um, And so that got me looking into food and what foods can cause pain and inflammation in your body and found out that a lot of my favorites, the cheeseburger, the cheddar cheese, the milk, um, often wreak havoc in some people's bodies. And I was discovering that I was one of those bodies. And it was just comedy to me because I didn't know anything about plant-based nutrition and getting all most of your nutrients um, from anything other than meat. You know, when I grew up, that's how the plate looked. There was a piece of meat, there was some rice, and there was some little greens on it, you know, and the meat was the star of the plate. Um, and being black and, you know, being... Um, who we are, you know, it was like, if you're not eating meat, you can't possibly be getting protein. Um, but then, you know, everything changed for me. When I realized Popeye wanted to get stronger, he ate spinach. And that was a game changer for me. So, yeah. So I started Black Girls Eat about four years ago, just because I'm a giver. When I learned, I used to be a third grade teacher, a seventh grade teacher, a middle school assistant principal. And so I think I'm a natural sharer and natural educator. And I said, wow, it would be really cool if I made a company called Black Girls Eat to help Black women and families make healthier food choices. Um, And so that's how that journey started. And uh, I've been having a good time. I've been 
meeting lots of folks and helping folks and learning how to be an, a content creator and an influencer. And it's been, it's been really, really rewarding. It's really rewarding to get a, a message or a photo of something that someone cooked based on something that I said. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And when people say, what exactly do you do? I say, I'm a plant-based advocate, which means I'm advocating for people to put more plants on their plate, particularly Black people, so that we can stop being number one on the list for diabetes and heart disease and obesity and use food and information in that fight. And so that's my story. That's pretty awesome. So you mean to tell me that cheeseburgers and chicken and stuff like that can cause me problems that make my body hurt? Why? You know, it's interesting. I mean, animal products alone, I mean, you know, people say I want to be strong as an ox, but an ox doesn't eat meat. Uh, so <laughs> I just think about, you know, everybody has a different biological makeup. And when I went to a rheumatologist, she really ran a bunch of tests on my blood, you know, and she really just looked at me as an individual. And there are inflammation markers. And, and she said, yours are really high. Like, like, what's up with that? Right. So I guess everybody's just made differently. And, I, and that's when I realized you have to be your own detective. You ever have someone say they ate a meal, and they didn't feel well. And we usually just gloss over that. But if that's happening over and over again, at some point, you got to like stop and start investigating because, you know, physicians, that's an industry, right? You know, someone told me that you can go to school to be a doctor and like only 5% of your coursework is around whole foods, plant-based nutrition and nutrition as a weapon in a war against disease. And I'm thinking, well, wow. So, right. And then you can go to the doctor and they say, well, we don't know what's going on. And you just keep like, it's frustrating to be in this mystery around why do I not feel well? Um, and after a certain age, people just want to like throw you a bottle of Tylenol and be like, hey, you know, work it out, you know? And so going to the rheumatologist was really helpful. I found a black African-American woman who really listened to me. Um, and we did a battery of tests and I was very scared to get the results because I didn't know if I had lupus. I didn't know if I had cancer. I didn't know what was going on. I just know that for like a year, I woke up every day feeling like a twisted pretzel and it was not fun. Um, and so I will say for me, for 10 days, I didn't have any meat, any cheese, any milk. I just ate a lot of fruits, vegetables, and grains. I didn't even have coffee because the jury is still out on whether or not coffee hurts you or helps you. But I would say by the fifth or sixth day, I was actually feeling better. And I was sleeping better. Like I fell asleep naturally, like on day five or six, where prior to that, I was doing over-the-counter Tylenol PMs or two glasses of wine or whatever it took because I didn't want to wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Um, and that got me excited. The 10 days turned to 20 days, turned to 30 days. You know, I'm, a, I'm curious by nature. So it was like, what kind of recipes could I make? What could I, you know, what are the foods that I love and how can I remake them? And then I just got on a journey and I haven't had meat. I went to Memphis, Tennessee. I feel like I went in 2019. And I had not had meat for about six months before that. And someone said, you know, you're in Memphis. You got to, you know got to get that barbecue. You know, we went to the, you know, Lorraine hotel and right around the corner from there is the, you know, the big barbecue spot and, you know, a couple of places. And by the second day, I just wasn't feeling well. You know, I, I, I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. 
And I felt smart and confident that I finally was reading my body and paying attention to it and said, that's, that's it for me. I'm not going to be having the brisket and the ribs and the, and the, you know, look at your face. I know all the stuff that we grew up on. I know, I know, I know. Um, and then I read somewhere that a, a lot of African-American people are lactose intolerant. I had no idea. You know, when you grow up, you, you eat what your mama put on the table, you know, and when you get older, you kind of like, you're not, you know, you're working, you're living your life. You may not feel well, but you're not really that in tune with it. It happened at Thanksgiving. It didn't happen again to the Super Bowl. You're not really paying attention. Uh, but when you start paying attention, what's exciting is that you could do something about it. You could do something about it. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So, L.A., you, how long, I'm curious to know, how long has it been since you had me and how long have you been on this journey? Yeah, I think I launched Black Girls Eat, I want to say summer 20, yes, I feel about like 2018, early 2018. Um, I launched the website first and, you know, started writing about my journey and playing around with recipes. I definitely know the last time I had meat, I was in Memphis. So I feel like that was like 2018 when I tried somebody's ribs and then, you know, that was it for me. I want to say 2018. Somebody have to fact check that because it might have been 2019. Because I have a trip I go with my girlfriends every year. And so that was one of our annual trips. So that was it for me. You hadn't had meat since 2018. Yeah. No I, hamburgers, no fried chicken, no hot dogs, no chili. Nothing. And it's been crazy because that was my life. In my home, we were like, you know, meatloaf Monday, taco Tuesday, Wellington beef Wellington Wednesday. You know, we was getting down in my in my home, and fried chicken. I mean, my gosh, you know that was the that was you know the staple and uh, Thanksgiving turkey and things like that. But I think you know once I got started, I just never looked back. And I do know you know a lot of my clients ask me you know when you start making healthier food choices all these labels, vegan, vegetarian, you know, flexitarian. And I, I try to encourage people to just ignore the labels because that marketing is very confusing to people. So vegan people, right, they never eat anything that has ever had a face or a parent, right? Yeah. That is the lifestyle of a vegan person, right? So for me, I like honey, right? Um, I'll do, I haven't had much, but I will eat an omelet. Right. And so I can't claim the vegan lifestyle, but I respect it. Um, I think that what I'm trying to do with black girls eat is say to people, work on your life and work on your plate, right? Put more plants on your plate, try new vegetables, try new fruits. There are over a thousand vegetables available to us to eat. And I was eating the same five every week, right? So when I say I'm a plant-based advocate, that's what I'm focused on because I feel like some of my clients just feel hurt and disillusioned by being able to keep up with the labels. You know, I was a vegetarian. I was a pescatarian. And my thing in my classes and in my coaching, I'm always like, just forget about that. What are you trying to do, right? Let's, you know, before the pandemic, we would go to the farmer's market and pick out vegetables and fruits that we never tried before. I didn't know there were so many versions of squash. You know, I consider myself 
a savvy New Yorker. You know, I've been in every five-star restaurant you could think of, but I actually never bought butternut squash, right? I never bought acorn squash or kohlrabi or, you know, Chinese broccoli. There's so many things that I would go to a farmer's market and just walk by and like maybe pick up a bag of apples because I didn't grow up with those things. I, I lived in a house of broccoli, corn, green beans, collard greens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so part of the fun of Black Girls Eat is like, it actually doesn't limit your food vocabulary. It expands your food vocabulary. When you think about trying global cuisines and trying Indian food. And I mean, I'm fortunate to live in New York City, which is like every culture in the world is here. But, you know, when you go to an Indian restaurant and try meals that are made with chickpea or you go to an African restaurant and try different grains like, you know, like fonio, it is wild to me. Like, you know, and you could just travel around the globe right on your plate. Right. And so that's really the fun of, of Black Girls Eat. Not so much getting people to wear labels, but just getting people to be more honest about the fruits and the grains and the vegetables that they're incorporating into their lifestyle. That's pretty cool. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. keep it awesome with you. I'm listening to you and you and you putting it out there. So you talked about your clients and I'm and I'm thinking about myself. How do you work with your clients to get them to open up their mind in terms because I'm gonna tell you now, I I keep it in between the lines, chicken, beef, steak, a little uh, you know, vegetables on the side, a salad here and there. But how do you get people to understand that, listen? There's a better way to do this. There's a better way to extend your your life and stay healthier. Yeah, it's true. I mean, typically my first step with a client is to just make an agreement that we're going to be transparent and honest with each other. Because one of the reasons that you emailed or even called me is because you don't feel too great. <laughs> so, like, let's just keep it 100 with each other. Like, don't, you know, that's the truth. And then we have fun. One of the first activities we do is we do a refrigerator assessment where we empty out the entire refrigerator. <laughs> because I tell my clients, every fridge has a story. What would your fridge say? Woo! And the refrigerator assessment is very, very revealing. Uh, you know, when you pull out all the leftover bags from Outback and all the ranch dressing packages and, you know... <laughs> Or we have a, a chart that we use. We'll say, you know, write down all the produce you see, write down all the vegetables, whatever. And there's a lot of blank spaces on the assessment. You realize what's not in the fridge. And you also realize that you have four jars of, you know, whatever the heck it is in there. So that's always the first start. Cleaning out that fridge. Are you scared? If I come, will you clean out the fridge? Are you nervous? I'm real nervous. I, I'm nervous while you're talking about it. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I do... Uh, <laughs> I want to say I, I love the name of your company. I love your logo. I love the design. Uh, and so I got to ask you, what inspires you to name it Black Girls Eat? Because I know that what you're talking about is not just for Black people. It's for people all, you know what I'm saying, all together. But what inspires you to name your company Black Girls Eat? That is such a great question because the folks who engage in Black Girls Eat is diverse, which is really hysterical. Um, but I will tell you, you know, I had a passion for speaking directly to Black people. 
And I remember talking to my daughter, who was, I guess, eight at the time, maybe nine. And she said, you know, you're going to name it Black Girls Eat and other people aren't going to feel included. And I told her, I said, you know what? Mommy grew up on Essence, Ebony and Jet. And they did all right. And I felt like, I said this in another interview before, you know, the, you know, the information is, is, is global, but the love is local. You know, I'm, I'm definitely talking to my people and yeah, you know, uh, healthy choices and healthy meals benefit all of us. And I still felt like there was room for my voice in the food space to say, girl, come on. Let's have this honest conversation about what's happening. And I do believe that women make all the majority of choices around grocery shopping. Even when you have a comp, you know, a competent mate or husband or boyfriend, I feel like women really call the shots. Like we really decide what's in the pantry, what's in the fridge. And I felt like the more we know, the better the whole family's going to be. Um, and so that was really, um, and the comedic side of why it was called Black Girls Eat and how that's happened. And I told this in a, Another conversation is that I was in a supermarket with my husband looking for quinoa because I had learned that the that quinoa had so much protein in it, like similar to the protein you would need from meat, but it came from a grain. And I was like, wow, I got to find this quinoa. And I kept telling Brian, I got to get quinoa because I got to try this protein. And he said, babe, I love you dearly, but it's pronounced quinoa. And that's mm. just us out laughing. I said, I'm going to make a company called Black Girls Eat because I can't be the only black girl that can't pronounce this stuff. But I realized quinoa and farro and barley and, you know, all these different grains, they never graced my plate. I grew up on white rice. I live in the Bronx where it's like predominantly Hispanic. So I know yellow rice. And then, you know, when people got fancy, it got to brown rice. But that was my grain. <laughs> that was my grain limits. You know, white, yellow and brown. Um, and so, yeah, I feel I feel good about it. I want to contribute to the universe and I want to contribute to the culture. And I like that people of all walks and backgrounds appreciate Black Girls Eat. Black Girls Eat. And I like being in conversations representing the, the everyday person. You know, um, I'm a wife and I'm a mom and I'm a sister and a cousin and a friend. Uh, I think sometimes the food space can be very intimidating for people. You know, people say things like, right, how many calories is in that? I actually don't count calories. You know, I say there's a lot of people in the food space. If you need to count calories, I'm sure you can find someone who's going to count your calories and do your macros and your micros. That's not really my judge. <laughs> you know, I'm here to say, let's look at these plates. You know, you may bake macaroni and cheese, you know, what can we do to make that a little healthier? You know, when you discover you don't really need the eggs, like a lot of people swear by the baked macaroni and cheese recipe, got to have eggs, butter and milk. And you're like, yeah, well, the eggs seem a little extra, right? <laughs> can we take the cholesterol down a little bit, right? Right. So it's like looking at the foods that we love and saying, all right, let's tone it down a little bit. Is there a lighter you know, if you must have the cheeses, can we get maybe cheese with a little less, you know, stuff? I didn't know there was a hierarchy of cheeses. Like, I didn't know, like, cheddar cheese is, like, the devil. Like, I didn't know. Right? I didn't know. Of all the cheeses, they talk, started talking about 
heart, you know, heart disease and what clogs your arteries. And it was like cheddar cheese was like top of the list. They were like, I didn't know that. Right. And so when I learned these things, I love to share it like, oh, so maybe stick to Parmesan and mozzarella cheese, you know. So just even being investigative like that, I never even knew that. Which I'm sure in every category, something is worse than the other. But the cheeses was like, you know, cheese is a real thing in our lives. You could wake up and have an egg and cheese on a roll and then go to lunch, and have a turkey and cheese and then come home and have lasagna, you know. Um, but we have to pay attention to these things that are clogging our arteries and causing us to have high blood pressure, lots of salt. So even though I started talking about plants, it started making me really look at like salty foods and sugary foods and even processed foods. You know, I see in the media, you know, I see in the supermarket, you know, uh, plant-based sausages and plant-based hamburgers and beyond and those kind of companies. And I think those are cool to get you over. Like I remember being at a barbecue like for 4th of July and they had plant-based sausages with sauerkraut and mustard on a roll. And I want to participate in in the holiday. So I had that, right? But it's, that's not a lifestyle. I still don't want foods that have been processed and manipulated into something. I'm learning more about whole foods, things that are just not broken down. If I take a yam and bake it, you know, I could eat the yam, right? It's, there's no, it's not complicated. If I want to make Mexican corn, you know, I can put the corn in a bowl and put some seasonings and hook it up, right? And so things that are not like uh, Frankensteined out, I'm very excited about um, because I think that, you know, in this country, the way they make food and they just stamp, you know, boom. I read that you're supposed to have 25 grams of sugar a day. And I picked up a yogurt that had 22 grams of sugar. And I'm like, well, dang, if I eat this yogurt, I'm pretty much done for the day. And that's that sneakiness, you know, that it sneaks up on you. And you think you're doing right by your kids, by yourself. You know, you say, hey, let's start the day with some yogurt. But you really got to read those labels, which is something else we do in the class. A lot of let's read labels. Let's understand, you know, what what we're having. And I just try not to be punitive. Life is hard enough. You know, I try to have fun. You you mentioned the logo. I'll tell you about Miss Avocado, honey. Miss Avocado. You know, when I launched the company, I went and hired graphic artists, and people sent me logos with forks and plates and spoons and knives, and it was just boring to me. And I wanted a logo that was going to inspire me. And at the time, I had the curly, curly extensions, and the artist said, "Can you send me a picture of you?" And I sent the picture, and he sent me back Miss Avocado. Did you know right away? I knew. I knew immediately. I was like, and now the new Miss Avocado, he just, uh, she has legs. She has a full body. And she's a third grade teacher, and she's in some children's books and some animation, right? I knew. I knew. I said, I want to create an icon for plant-based nutrition like the Pillsbury Doughboy. I want people to know Miss Avocado. And when they see her, they know she's a symbol of making healthier choices. She's a symbol of our culture. and she's cute and a lot of fun, like me. So there you go. That's what's up. Let me ask you this, L.A. Culturally speaking, do you think, do you believe that the minority community eats healthier today than they did back in the day? You know, it's interesting. I just read a report that said more African-American people were choosing vegan lifestyle faster than any other race. I just read that in the Washington Post somewhere, I think it was. I think that, you know... Listen, 
my friends who are in Jamaican culture, Rastafari, you know, plant-based all the time, right? There are, there are plenty of people in our culture who have lived a plant-based lifestyle and maybe we didn't know about it or it wasn't promoted. I think everyday people are doing the best that they can. But what we need are coaches and ambassadors to help demystify things, right? So just because you went in a supermarket and the butter says plant-based, right? It doesn't mean you should buy it because when you read that label and it says it's made with all kind of oils and Frankenstein-y products, you know, you're like, I don't want that. You know, I'd rather you just have a little piece of butter because God only knows what's, what's in this thing. So I think we need more plant-based advocates and more ambassadors who, who real talk uh, have that shortcut of language and understanding of culture. I think that, you know, I was, uh, someone said it was 100,000 nutritionists in the country and only 2,500 of them are people of color. And so when a person of color goes to a dietitian or nutritionist, like what are the chances are that they're looking at somebody who looks like them? And do we tell the truth when we are sitting across the table from a doctor that don't look like us? Like how much, like, you know, um, so it's, it's really interesting. So I feel like people are doing the best they can. I think we have neighborhoods where you still don't have access to what you need in this country. You know, you go to the supermarket, go to the little bodega on the corner. Um, I think that information is the key and education is definitely the answer um, so that people can do the best they can with what they have. Um, and where you live, it's really interesting, you know, what your food choices are. Like, I remember going to the Walmart in Virginia, maybe 2017, and there were no organic, healthy, nothing was happening. And now I go and there's a whole section and, you you know, you're starting to see stuff. And I think consumers should demand that, you know. Um, and I think you start right in a local store, the Circle K or the, or the Kroger's. Wherever you at, you know, if they don't have a product that you're looking for, I would speak to the managers. I think we have to start speaking up in our community and say, we shop here, right? It reminds me of that old episode from Good Times when Florida was like, the meat is bad. Do you remember that episode? It was an old episode. But yeah, we got to go in there and yeah, start having conversations with management to say, you know, we like, like to try oat milk. You know, my daughter has a nut allergy, so almond milk doesn't work for us in our house. Um, but we buy a lot of oat milk and, you know, um, and that makes us happy because you can still make pancakes and waffles and, and everything else. And so, yeah, um, that's our story. Okay. You know, we, you know, just try to do the best we can. So you said the term do the best we can six or seven times. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I can tell you passionate about that. So my next question is, L.A., is in doing the best you can. Speaking from a socioeconomic status, right? Does that impact how healthy you're able to eat or should it impact how healthy you're able to eat? Well, it does for sure. I mean, that's why in the class I have, so I have this five day email class where every day you just get something to read, something to do. But one of the conversations we have is like, does everything need to be organic? And the answer is no. Right. Because they use that in a lot of marketing, too. It's like, does the avocado need to be organic? Well, look how hard the avocado is. What is crawling into an avocado? Like, do you need chemicals and pesticides? You know, it's like I don't think anything's going to in, in penetrate an avocado. So I think you could buy a traditional avocado that may cost a dollar fifty as compared to the organic one. That's two dollars. Right. I definitely think, you know, budgeting is important, particularly, you know, for my family, for our culture. You know, we we can't 
I remember going to the store as a kid. You couldn't make a mistake with the change or the money. You know, uh, that's a problem. Uh, and so, again, I think education is key. Uh, breaking it down into simple terms for people is important. I like things like CSAs, which are community sustainable agriculture groups where you could pay a fee and once a week or once a month get a basket of fruits and vegetables from the local farmers. That's something I've been talking to people about because there are CSAs across the country. Right. Um, and you could just Google that, you know, CSAs, farmer CSAs, and you'll see, you know, we paid uh, $50 and every week the local farmers bought us a basket of different fruits and vegetables. Um, so that's another way to save money um, and also to support local farmers because Lord, Lord only knows. Right. And then I like to shop the circular. I like to buy stuff that's on sale. You know, when I get ready to plan for the week, one of the things about sales is like it could be stuff that we really love and it could also be stuff that I was afraid to try. But I might not be able to tr be afraid if it's now it's on sale. Right. And so we just have to be a little a little wiser. I also promote in my class. We talk about buying in bulk. Right. So like the microwave rice that you could take to work and put the little bowl in there is way more expensive than the whole bag of rice that you could cook yourself and put in your own little bowl. Right. So those convenient foods that they make the smaller versions of are almost always more expensive than a larger version. Right. And so if you just train your mind to be like, OK, that is cute. I could just put that in my, you know, when I see people eat these frozen meals. What's in it? Pasta with some broccoli and you don't pay three eighty nine for that. Like you could just make your own pasta and your own broccoli and lay out five little Tupperwares and you straight. Right. And so it's just that like. I used to think you had to be like an amazing cook or chef, like, you know, back in the day, you know, and I realized that's not the case. It's really keep it simple. You know, whatever yeah. you see, you could probably make without having to be like this dynamic chef. We could all boil. A, well, I don't say all. Most people can boil a pot of pasta. Right. right? And add some vegetables to it. Right. Um, it's just giving yourself a chance and realizing the thing about Black Girls Eat is that I'm not here to overwhelm anybody. You know, we have enough stress. You know, we're trying to navigate the pandemic. We're trying to raise kids. We're trying to manage a family. We're trying to manage our careers, save money, buy real estate, invest in Bitcoin. I mean, my goodness. Like, it's just it's just a lot yeah. going on. And so Black Girls Eat is like, I want to be a, a soft landing spot for people. I want to be a, I want to be a safe conversation. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So check this out. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be a myth buster. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for the myth? I'm ready. The myth is, is if I eat healthy, my food won't taste good. <laughs> I know. Everybody's worried about that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Your food can taste really good. I think, I feel like people just gave healthy meals, a bad rep. You know, for me, I do simple things. I'll take a whole bunch of carrots and prepare them with olive oil and garlic and salt and pepper. And I'll roast those, you know, in the oven. And that's like amazing. Right. I feel like I said this before, when you prepare food, if it's not salty and it's not burned, you probably did all right. You probably did all right. But uh, yeah, you can make your food tasty. It doesn't have to be bland and, you know, and boring and, and doesn't have 
flavor and you know absolutely not okay that's awesome that's awesome what's your favorite meal to cook I'm a big pasta lover. I really am. And I love that they make pasta now with vegetables. Like you can get chickpea pasta. You can get spinach linguine, right? So it doesn't, right? See, I know. I see your face. So I love that. I'm a big pasta girl. And I love to do things like I'll make, you know, a bowl of pasta and add sun-dried tomatoes and olives and, and Parmesan and olive oil and all that. I love I love all those Mediterranean flavors. So I'm a big pasta girl. I'm also a big snacker. I love to take yams and make potato chips and things like that. You know, it takes 10 minutes, right, to just take a yam and like that and boom, fry it up real quick if I'm in the mood for something to crunch. Um, Because I do think when I started leaning into plant-based nutrition, the hardest part for me was the snacking. You know, I was the queen of nachos, oozing with cheese and, you know, and and everything else. Um, I learned how to make my own. Tortillas, you know, uh, when the pandemic started and everybody was in the supermarket, they bought all the bags of tortilla chips. And so what was left was the actual corn tortillas. And so, and like you get 80 of them for like $3, which is crazy because the bag of corn chips could be five bucks. Um, And so I came home and cut them into triangles. And first time I threw them in some oil and I made some chips and I had some salsa. The next time I threw them in the oven and baked them. And so, yes, the snack game is, is, was really, I would say, the most challenging because I'm always looking to crunch something. So when you go to the movies, what do you eat? <laughs> uh, first of all, I tell people all the time, I'm never giving up Twizzlers. I don't care what's happening. That is my favorite candy. It has been since I'm like eight years old. And if I'm going to treat myself to some candy, Twizzlers at the movies, for sure. Twizzlers, they don't give me no red vines. Nobody want no red vines. Twizzlers, number one. Strawberry flavor. I don't want no watermelon flavor. I don't want no remix. Strawberry Twizzlers. <laughs> okay. All right. So we are having a blast, but we're close to wrapping things up, LA. So I got to ask you, uh, switching gears a little bit. I've given you the opportunity to be a myth buster. You've told me all about your awesome business. Uh, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about that before we close out. But I want to know from your perspective, what is it that's that's holding our country back, that's holding our globe back from everybody moving forward together? When I say everybody, I mean everybody. Uh, And so I'm, I'm lining this up to give you an opportunity to be an advocate for humanity. Right. What's holding us back from moving forward together? You know, that is a really beautiful question. And I really appreciate how you're using your using your platform to engage people in that in that conversation. I think honestly what's holding us back is lack of awareness that we are a collective. And if this pandemic didn't teach us anything else, I mean the entire globe was touched in a way that hasn't happened since 18, whatever it was, right? I think just lack of awareness. I am our brother's keeper is a real thing. Ubuntu, I am because we are, is a real thing. Um, When we see each other, we don't see each other, you know? And we are a collective. And I feel like if this planet starts moving as a collective, 
will solve a lot of problems from crime to climate to to government. Um, but there's just so much in terms of racism, sexism, classism, ageism, and the tribal, you know, if we look back at tribal communities and, and you know, there's a lot to be learned from being a community, you know, there's this individualism, you know, and, and separatism and uh, that it's just not working for us. And so if we could figure out a way to come together and realize we are a collective, I think we may, the planet may be around for a little bit longer. Because at this rate, I don't know if we're going to make it. I mean, it won't be in our lifetime. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. So L.A. Dunn. Yes. From Black Girl Z. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners where they can find your story, where they can read your blog, where they can go to your website. Tell them everything there is to know about how to find you. Yes. Well, first, to get to know me, please visit me at the Black Girl Z website, which is simply blackgirlz.com. That's where you can learn more about me. That's where you can learn more about the five-day class, which is just so easy and so much fun. And that's also where you can uh, read about the recipes that I'm remixing. But there's also some lifestyle articles on there, like how to begin a plant-based lifestyle. Uh, I'm working on one right now about plant-based foods and your hair, uh, things like that. And then my favorite social media platform right now is Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Black Girls Eat. Uh, and that's where all the reels are and all the, the day in the life. You know, a lot of people ask me, what are you eating today? What you have today? You know, today I had a smoothie. I had some great soup. I'm about to have some salmon and some yellow rice and some black beans. And so people always want to know what am I eating? Where am I going? What restaurants? That kind of stuff. You can find that at Instagram for sure. That's what's up. I want to thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I want to thank you for the dope conversation. I want to thank you for the awesome person that you are. Would you come back? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so happy for you. And congratulations on the launch of this platform. It's so needed. And you as a black man in America, creating a space for people to have safe conversations is like an incredible thing. So absolutely. I appreciate that. And like I always try to remind people, just because it's called a safe conversation doesn't mean it's going to be soft. We really try to unpack and talk about stuff. All right. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, and we'll see you next time. Peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.